0: Listener, production, Cheers. market, the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that has just increased its buffer rate. I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer, and I'm joined by The Strawman, the CEO, Managing Director and Founder, plus Chief Cook and Bottle Washer of Strawman.com, Andrew Page. How are you, mate? I'm very good. I'm very good. And yourself? Mate, you, I'm very well. You must have the world's largest business card with the lowest titles.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like A4 a folded twice or something? Is that, how you, is that how you make it work? I actually don't have a business card anymore. For years, I carried boxes of these things around and probably <laughs> handed out four in my entire life. So, no, yeah. I've given up. <laughs> I think I've
1: still got half a box of the cards I got when I first joined the Motley Fool in 2011 or 2012. So, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, done, I've had like four jobs, five jobs since. It still says the same thing when I joined. So, yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same, mate. There's worlds of LinkedIn and phone messages and WhatsApp and TikTok and all
0: those cool things. You guess you don't need it. Have you, can I, this is completely out of left field and to start <laughs> a on tangent? a tangent, and no. I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, Get but on. how good is the scene in American Psycho where they're talking about their business cards? If you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> just YouTube that, that scene. It is, it is outstanding. Is that suitable for work? Before we do that? We, do we have to give warnings to anybody? Uh, no, no, no. It's, I, think okay. it's, I think it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Although yeah. another thing on business cards, they say you've made it when there's no title underneath it. Like it'll just say oh, Scott Phillips. Oh, I like
1: it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, imagine James Packer and uh, Toogie Forrest don't need- don't need You, you don't bother to it with something. the title. Yeah. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> then you know you've made it. <laughs> Do
1: you reckon the US President gets business cards? <laughs> I don't. Do you reckon Joe Biden has, hi, I'm Joe Biden, here's my card. Do you reckon he does that or no? Probably not. Maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm Timmy Skomo's got a
0: business card. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, a very, a very, a very uh, plush one. <laughs> Plush, I'll velveteen velvetine on the goats. back, I like you it. You've got to put the effort in. All let's right. talk about let's talk about investing in stocks. Shall we? We should yeah. actually do a podcast about that at one point. Yeah. Um, we are gonna talk
1: about investing and stocks. We got a lot to talk about, mate. Some of it's macro, some of it's micro, and some of it's in between because it's kind of been a big week. I, it's one of those things where, at least at a macro level, like where do you start? Yeah. Um, New South Wales has lost a premier and a deputy premier, the the leader of the National Party. Uh, we have seen really big volatility on the ASX. We've got the RBA and the RBNZ making decisions, plus APRA. Um, I, I, we, I know it's one of those things. Hey, the macro doesn't matter, but let's talk about the macro. But man, has it been a week? So let's let's kick off from the top, mate. Um, yeah. In some sort of order, I, I'm going to I'm going to assume, uh, and if if I'm right, we'll we'll keep moving. But I'm going to assume you don't really care about a new premier in New South Wales, at least as far as business and investing is concerned. Does it? Does it give you any? sense of a, a changed approach
0: I don't think so I don't think it changes the, the business operating environment materially for, for yeah. most businesses so no um, yep. you know there's, there's, just, there's obviously personal views but no I think as far as investing is concerned no no, no big deal <laughs> mate we should do a tangent podcast because all the stuff we don't
1: talk about that we could talk about could take another four hours we could definitely fill that and frankly, our wives would probably appreciate it if we actually
0: talked to each other about it rather than them. So, trouble probably- is we go, we go off on separate tangents from that <laughs> tangent. So. We're
1: not talking about investing, exactly. Tangents all the way yeah. down.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Guys, what's this tangent podcast you're about investing a lot? What's going on there? Um, no, I, mean, I, I don't either. So, let's move on from that. Because that's probably, you know, if you're a New South Wales citizen, probably the, the biggest and most unexpected news of, <laughs> of for a while. Um, but not, not at all, I don't think. Important. Um, looks like it might actually bring some lockdown restriction lifting forward. Jeez, how do you do that three times quickly? Um, we might get some earlier earlier relief from lockdowns if if the rumours are correct. So there is that. But other than that, mate, yeah, no no issue for no impact for investing. Well, can I just what? say? Can I just oh, say please. if
0: you've if you've got. Uh, an ownership in a company whose uh, success or otherwise depends on who's sort of the premier of New South Wales.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's you might need too. to rethink the investment case.
0: <laughs> That's a very, very good point. And by the way, it doesn't just apply
1: to leaders, changing leaders in a given party also change, it, you know, is also equally reliant on whether you know liberal or labor parties are in power and whether they switch back on forwards. If your if your thesis rises and falls based on a liberal premier or a labor premier, you're probably getting it wrong. I think. Sarah. Oh, I'm saying
0: liberal. Uh, sorry, uh, Republican Democrat um, situation in the US is PM. the same. There yeah. are a lot of studies on this. There's no there's no correlation. Good. So let's move on from that one, mate. Um, so rates
1: on hold here again in Australia. No surprise there. Um, this was probably, you know, you know, how long has it been since the last rate rise? It's like eleven years or something. It's like so large. <laughs> I can't large. even remember. It's very, so long. very long time, um, and so we kind of laugh and, and occasionally point fingers at the for doing nothing, literally nothing for for more than a decade, I think it is, um, and yet. This one was, was was even more business as usual than the other business as usual um, uh, announcements because there was no change at all. It's so, like, yep, 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 everything's still exactly where we want it. Mm. Um, rates are still down. Bond buying is going to continue. Uh, we're not going to lift rates till 2024. <coughs> so, but the usual stuff they've been talking about for quite a while. And, and that's kind of to be expected. No one was surprised. No one's expecting anything different. Some people are calling for further rate cuts, believe it or not. I'm not one of them and I don't know if you are or not. But what I thought was interesting in the context of that was the very next day. So this was Tuesday in Australia. The very next day, Wednesday, the RBNZ actually raised rates mm. to 0.5%, only the third or fourth major national central bank to do so in this kind of this part of the cycle. And they're expecting inflation to hit 4% before it starts to come back down to what they expect around 2% over the medium term. They're citing what they're calling capacity constraints, which is a boffin's way of saying... Everything that we can do is already being done. Um, there is a lot of money chasing too few goods and services, and that's pushing prices up. So they're they're already in a, in a cooling phase, effectively, or at least uh, <laughs> I hate using the jargon, mate. It really, but they're in a, in, they're trying to basically take the top off the excesses here. Mm-hmm. Not saying the economy is necessarily going to be fantastic forever. They're just saying, look, right now, if we don't do something, we're going to see inflation spike. We're going to see prices go up, and we just need to, we need to cool that down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, that's <laughs> I, it, it, again, it's a strange world where inflation is good rather than bad because the rest of us don't like paying more for our petrol or groceries or electricity um, but in this case on one hand the, the RBA is saying oh, this is years away New Zealand saying well, it's here it's now, it's happening and I guess I'm just curious that the, the logical question from that is are we closer to an RBA rate rise than we think and even they think?
0: Uh I don't know. I just, but I would say I wouldn't be surprised if we were. Like the, the, yeah. these, the, the, the inflation outlook can change very rapidly. So the RBA has basically sort of said till 2024 that they don't really yes. expect any changes. And that's ages away. <laughs> um, it really isn't. But what we've seen, there's, there's a, a chart that comes up occasionally which sort of shows you uh, where the cash rate is and then it mm. shows forecasts off from that point. Yeah. And they continue it along, and you just see all these lines sort of going on. Like the, the, the reality always tends to be different. It's not to poke. <laughs> That's right. It's not to poke fun. It's it's like yeah. you could ask the best meteorologist what's the weather going to be like uh, on <laughs> Tuesday, January two next year, and it's like yeah. it's just it's very very hard stuff to guess. So I just. And and there are um, there are mm. pockets of inflation. We've seen what's happened with energy. We've seen what's happened with building yeah, materials. Right. Interestingly enough, a big part of the economy. A lot, a lot of builders mm-hmm. are struggling to get prices. They're, they're having to pass costs on or, or, or wearing it themselves. So mm-hmm. there is there is there is uh, yeah. It just has a it just has a way of surprising. So um, and I also think too. It probably I actually. Uh, Agree with what the uh, uh, R, B, and Z is doing in the sense that it, uh, you, you want a bit of dry powder for when you do need a bit of extra sim. I think wherever you've got mm-hmm. the capacity to lift rates, um, especially when, when when things are heading in a certain direction, you should absolutely do so because at some point mm-hmm. in time things will get more difficult again, and you and you'd like to be able to sort of add add the uh, the stimulatory impact of of lowering rates. So, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, we will we will see we will see yeah.
1: It's it's going to be a it's going to be a, a heck of a thing. I again we're kind of in unch- uncharted territory in so many different ways here right now economically. And I, as as we said before, I've made, I've, we've made pains to talk about it. The the lack of importance of rates on one level, which is as you, almost like you said about the premier. If your business if your thesis relies on a, on a lift in rates between now and 2024, and not thereafter, and all of a sudden it's going to break everything apart, then have another look because you can't be that accurate at anything. Mm. On the other hand, I, I do honestly think. Um, while I'm a big Warren Buffett fan, a big Howard Marks fan, big Peter Lynch fan, I just, I just think we're, we're in such weird economic times. This really weird, drawn out. I don't know if we call it a cycle yet, because we don't really know what happens next. Mm. Um, but but rates matter, right? The direction of rates do do, do matter in terms of you know the, the cost of money, the cost of debt, the the way you think about the I'll say discount rates again. Too, I don't like using the jargon, but the sort of rate of return you're looking for. Things do start to change even when rates start to increase, right? The demand for mm. shares, in theory. Is less because you get more in cash in the bank as a as a, as a single example, um, and it's a little bit like this next story we're about to talk about, where changes to, in this case, isn't a rule, but it's kind of a you know as an academic theory, an investing theory, do actually make a difference to the value of assets, right? They they yeah. kind of have to by definition.
0: Yes, they do. They do. And and how do you approach that? It's it's something, right. you know, this is what we often talk about. There's this conundrum of this sort of foggy future, but it's kind mm-hmm. of, as you've often said before, it's sort of important but unknowable kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. So I, I yeah, I, I just think it, it comes back to, and this is very hard to do, it's just, it's just mm-hmm. trying to show restraint in in some of those expectations, not Mm. trying to forecast necessarily, but just allowing for that that possibility and that that vagary itself. The cost of that Mm. is that you do miss out on a lot of, <laughs> potentially on a lot of gains, particularly towards the end of the cycle. So whenever this we don't know when the cycle will turn, but we always know that towards the end of it is when things really, you, you have so-called melt-ups, not meltdowns. But, yeah, you know, things right. just sort of go really crazy towards the end of right, it. And right, you're sort right. of sitting there going, well, it's really hard to sort of justify these prices. Mm-hmm. And rah-ring. you sort of feel as though you're doing the prudent thing, but it, man, it's mm-hmm. tough to sort of sit through that as everyone else makes squillions of dollars. Yeah. But I do think at the same time, it is, it is, it is, um profitable I, I would say longer term to be able to have that restraint and buy with more discipline uh, even though mm. even though you do have to suffer through those periods because ultimately <laughs> it just it just isn't it always the same thing just buying good companies yeah. at good prices and if you're not getting good prices it just right. it means missing out in some periods of the cycle do you know what mate so I hear that I, and I don't want to spend too much time on this we talk about this every couple of weeks or so
1: but I'm still reminded of of two things, right? It was Warren Buffett's comment that if rates stay low, shares are cheap? That 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 he made that statement on CNBC. I should find the find the the, the grab for it. Um, it is it is like it, it's remarkable in its it, it just in that very sense, right? That the very idea that you can say, um, it, you know, shares were cheap if rates stay low, when everyone thought rates wouldn't stay low, so therefore shares weren't cheap enough to buy. Mm. And again, during the COVID crisis, and like I'm a massive Warren Buffett and I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. But during the COVID, he still didn't pull the trigger. He still waited for, we don't know what, maybe things to get cheaper, maybe risk to come off the table, maybe to make sure his insurers had enough cash. But for whatever reason, again, Berkshire wasn't buying mm. last March, April, May, June, July, at least not in, in, in meaningful amounts, where we had the biggest stock market fall since the GFC. Um, so that's you know, 11, 12 years at the time. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I think there is there is that that. Question of what does happen next? Right, If rates go back to four percent, or go back to seven percent, or go back to one and a half percent. Those are very different maths, to my mind, in terms of how much shares could or should actually be worth. Right, like mm. the, the the maths behind I want the the average the market return plus a few percentage points, so I can get government bonds at one and a half. So I want six and a half. You know, government bond plus five percent. Again, apologies for the the, the kind of academic um, algebra here, but basically the the idea behind valuation is you can get a risk free return from the government. If you want more, if if you're going to get more than that, you've got to take more risk, and so people tend to price it. They say, "Okay, well, my my rate of return, my required return, is the risk-free rate." In other words, the government bond rate plus something. That whole question is like, you know, is in in 2025, is that is the risk-free rate two percent, four percent, six percent? Because you know, there's there's a big gap between all those numbers, and if that doesn't change or does change, then it does, to my mind, at least, cast a lot of stocks in a very, very different light when it comes to their Affordability or otherwise, right? We could be overpaying right now. If rates are going to go back to 6%, a lot of people are going to overpay a a large amount, and the future returns are going to be pretty ordinary. If rates don't go back up, or don't go back up meaningfully, then a whole lot of stuff's cheaper than it otherwise might be. Mm. Yeah, 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 it's tough. I don't know what you want me to say. It's really I want you you to help me answer the question because I don't know
0: the answer. Well, look, I I, I, I think it's uh, you so i i i 've sort of I, i'll look i 'll state for the record i think things are on average at least in a historical context mm. pretty expensive yeah. um robert schiller who's who who invented the uh, the cape mm-hmm. ratio the cyclically yes. adjusted PE ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just wrote, and I think it was in the New York Times or something uh, last week that it, again, mm. it's at levels not seen usually only seen just before a bit a bit of a crash. Right. Um, uh, and there's other other kind of so. I, so I think all of that is kind of true, and I think there is potential for a big downside. But then again, that's mm. that's sort of always true. But then I do balance that off against the um, the idea of always better for a long term investor to be more fully invested than not. Mm. Mm. Um, but to sh- but th- at the same time, I think you can sort of show restraint. You don't have to make wholesale big changes. I'm all in or I'm all out. Yeah. And, th- and then I've, all, I've always said too, the market is the market. But within that, there's mm. thousands of different stocks and opportunities. <laughs> and, you know, so while I might sort of say, yes, on average things look pretty expensive, there are stocks mm. out there that aren't that expensive, or at least yeah. relatively speaking, there are stocks out there that are more inflation resistant than, than others. You know, that mm. things that will actually mm. tend to, though inflation might become a, a, bit of, a bit of a thing, will tend mm. to have quite a bit of pricing power and. Be able to sort of absorb that much better than other businesses so there's there's a range of fact you sort of work within what what you can um, and and you know <laughs> the, 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 I don't know what I'm saying mate. help me out what do you think I, I, I- <laughs> oh look I think it's I think you know
1: I I I this is why, this is why I struggle right because I'm I, I've said this before but I've got two halves, halves of my brain that are absolutely fighting each other right now because I want to believe the the Buffett, you know, five minutes wasted on the whatever it was Lynch or Marx or somebody, you know, five, if I fifteen minutes spent thinking about the macro is, is ten minutes wasted. I want to believe that's true, and I want to believe that interest rates don't matter. I want to believe that all all that matters is buying good businesses and paying decent prices, and I want to believe all that's true. I even want to believe the cape is right, the cyclically adjusted PE ratio, but I don't, mate. I like, like, so on one hand, I've got that right. That part of my brain is like, you know, these things are true. Rest on these, the the the, the usual. Um, standbys, fallbacks, guidelines—whatever you want to call them—these things, these things are how we should think, and I, I absolutely think that's true. But again, none of these, none of those rules were put in place with rates at essentially zero around the world, mm. and with mm. the whole cyclically adjusted idea, is there is a cycle. I don't know. We are we are twelve years into a into a rate cutting cycle with with probably at least three to go in Australia, <laughs> and then mm. even after that, we, we know, and I'll get to housing in a second because. We know the RBA is constrained, or even what it can do if it wants to, on house price, on interest rates, because of the indebtedness of borrowers. We we know they can't put rates up to three percent without bankrupting half of the people who bought homes in the last five mm. years, because they just simply don't have. You know, if you, if you assess someone on on a, on a paying a two or two and a half percent rate, and you jack rates up, not only does it pull money out of the economy and go, but to you know, from discretionary spending through to back to home loan repayment, but a whole lot of people just simply won't be able to afford that, or won't. You know, we'll choose not to afford it or whatever. I, I think the RBA knows it, it can't responsibly jack rates up as much as it might like. There feels to me like there's some sort of arbitrary, you know, quasi cap. They'll probably never admit it, but there's a quasi cap on what they can do without literally plunging us into a deep recession. So, I, I you know, that, this is why I struggle, mate, because the, the stocks we've used the, the stocks that look expensive right now, that are expensive on a cyclical basis or a historical basis, we've got. You know some of the best businesses in the world growing at at twenty percent plus rates per year. So arguably, um, the, the the PE that's backward looking by definition. If you forward, if you go forward fast enough and far enough with some of these big fast growing businesses, maybe it's not as applicable as it was. And with rates this low, again a PE of fourteen is expensive if rates are seven percent. Mm. But a PE of twenty might be cheap if rates stay at one percent. And so like that, that the sheer the sheer gap in the range of potential outcomes of the future really does make me think, and I've, I've talked before about you know small tech companies or even medium-sized tech companies that, that need more money, how available is that money if rates stay low? Well, probably more available if rates go up because that's mm. lower rates are supposed to make people take more risk. That's exactly what the, the central bankers are trying to do. They're trying to say to people, hey, don't put your money in the bank at zero, go and buy shares. Or mm. to the PE you know firms and the venture capitalists, Go and throw money at this startup, that startup, or, or this company that needs more more equity, yeah, you know, for growth or something. I think that changes meaningfully if rates go up, and I that's why I'm. I think that's why I'm, the conversation is more live than I would prefer it to be because I think there is really significant. You know, the range of potential outcomes is much much wider than history would tell us have been true in the past. I guess that's why, yeah, maybe since the oil shocks and the the stagflation days of the early '80s, most of us haven't lived through, let alone invested through this strange scenario As I, I guess that's why I've got these two parts of my brain one wants to just say just, just, you know, just believe the old guys and go with them mm. the other part of me is like well I don't think they're wrong but, but the history may not be a guide this time around where, given where I mean, rates are literally at unprecedented lows <laughs> um, you know, and that, that probably means the, the old rule book it, well it doesn't apply but it needs some amending potentially
0: yeah, I, I guess I'm just a little <laughs> bit more sanguine in the sense it's it's a it's a story of degrees. So sort of yeah. you're, you're talking there about significant change, you know, rates in mm-hmm. six and seven percent. Yep. So while I'm sort of saying on one hand, I just, you know, it's who knows what it's going to be. I, yeah. <laughs> I I probably should I probably should clarify and sort of say I I think I don't expect those kinds of mm. um, changes for the reasons you already outlined. This little bankruptcy, yeah. it, it's almost there's there's an economic um a force at play there that just sort of mm. almost physically prevents that kind of stuff from happening yeah, right. because you can't raise it so so look, you look right now as a business focused investor there's a mm. there's a range mm. of companies that, that i like that i think have certain future trajectories yeah and you're absolutely right to say that how that is priced is very different under a sort of a half percent interest rate scenario versus six percent scenario and it's still different under maybe a, a, a half percent versus a one and a half percent sort right, of scenario. Right. But but the math just works out that it is it's much less of an impact. You, you've got mm, you've mm. got all of these different factors pushing on valuations and prices and businesses, yeah. all yep. different directions at all different times. There's a thousand myriad of things to sort of to, to, to keep your eye on. Yeah. But some forces just tend to be more dominant over time. The key, to, for my mind, is always just sort of being underlying uh, per share profit growth. Yeah. And so, yes, rates impact that, and yes, other things impact that. But, but, you know, when when we're it, it, to take your example, if we're talking about radical, substantial, structural, long-lasting shifts to, to such mm-hmm. a substantial mm-hmm. degree, then yeah, all bets are off, right? Like, it's <laughs> it's it, that's a very different scenario. So, I guess you do have to have a bit of view mm-hmm. that that is not at least in the near or medium term, which I probably don't. Um, yeah. so that's, that's probably how I'd square that circle it, there's a spectrum here and yes I, I, are you right to point these things out yes you abso- absolutely are. Mm-hmm. Um, are are you wrong to try and uh, uh, look into a crystal ball and try and accurately guess all of these kinds of things yeah, yeah you probably shouldn't be bothering to do that but you can probably there's, there's, a, there's a middle ground in there to sort of say that look Mm. I can still probably reasonably surmise that we're not going to go into any time soon, and uh, you know, uh, hyperinflationary, <laughs> yeah, yeah, super yeah. high interest rate environment. So I guess yeah, that's probably my yeah. stance. No, I
1: think that's I think it's fair. I, my, my I guess my my where you and I differ probably a little bit is the types of companies we probably invest in. And I guess too, if I think about the companies that many of our listeners probably hold, ironically, and we'll get to volatility in a minute. Ironically, tech stocks, growth stocks have been on the nose in the ASX over the last couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. Yeah. Uh, because of that concern about economic growth and other things. I would actually argue that it is those companies that are least impacted by rates changes. Because as you mm. say, mm. if you can get per share profit growth of 10, 15, 20% a year for an extended period of time, yeah. that is going to swamp any macro Washes changes, right, else by Washes mm. If you own, though, Woolies or CBA or Transurban or uh, probably even CSL, um, slower growing businesses with high valuations that probably rely more on... On on traditional valuation metrics, where you don't have the ability to say, I can see this business being twice the size in three or four years. Yeah, uh, to, to me, that's the that they're the risky ones to own, right? So uh, yeah, um, hundred uh, percent. But but not, not I don't risky. own them, mate. Right, right. <laughs> but I think that's worth I think it's worth pointing out. The way I wanted to mention it was because I think you don't own them, and, and from your perspective, I think your approach makes absolute sense. I don't think you. Sh- I'm not saying you should know them necessarily. I do think, for what it's worth, if you look at a bank or a Woolies at 20 plus PE and say, what happens when rates go up from 0.1 to half to one to one and a half, even to two or three? Little I mean, six. I was being a little bit outlandish, but you know, like it, it, there is a there is a future possibility, maybe even probability that rates are a couple of percentage points higher, not just you know uh, 0.2 of a percent, but two point something percent yeah, higher. Yeah, yeah. And and at that point. Uh, You know, a, a, a fair value PE probably goes from 20 to, I don't know what, 18, 17? Well... So if that's, you know... Go
0: on. Yeah, so so and it's another reminder that it's always a case by case basis. This way, talking about the market can be can be so um, <laughs> counterproductive at yeah. times. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Woolworths is a great example, and I just said, oh, yeah. you know, derisively, oh, oh, that's why I don't own it type thing. I should mm-hmm. sort of clarify that. I, I think it's probably one of the best companies on the ASX, Wally. So, I agree. Geez, it's a yeah. fantastic business. Yeah, it'll yeah, be around exactly. for a million yeah. years. Yep. You know, just yep. pumping out cash flow. It just, I had a look at its um, uh, balance sheet the other day, um, mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. fun. And, and the, the amount of value this thing has created, investors often overlook this stuff, but just looking at the equity line at the bottom, so it's sort of the, just the net asset to the business, but also it can be thought of as all the money that's been put into the business, not from traded on the market, but primary mm-hmm. listings, you know, and, and retained profit. That thing has just, you know, for the amount of money that's been put into it, what it has generated in terms of shareholder return and dividends along the, just phenomenal. What a great business. And yet, and yet, um, you still need to mm-hmm. sort of peg that to some kind of value and you're right to do that. This is, I just looked it up, the PE. So the, share, mm-hmm. the, the, the value of this business is 32 times its net profit. Right. And this is a business that as much as I love, in a very, very mature market, very, very dominant, mm-hmm. very, very mm-hmm. little uh, opportunity for, for for rapid growth. You're looking at a best case scenario here of three, four, maybe four to 5% long-term sustained growth. Mm. Um, and you're getting a sort of a two point something Percent yield for at the moment, it's just it's not very appealing. And you're right; it doesn't take much of an interest rate change for that to become. Um, you know, it just mm. gets far less appealing under, under a raising rate environment. So, exactly. So exactly. I, I think yeah, I think you 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 have it, there's two que- there's always two questions as an investor. It's like what yes. is it that I'm thinking of buying, and you can form an mm-hmm. opinion on that. But then there's the entirely separate one. It's like, well, what am I prepared to pay for that? Mm. And Woolies is in that basket of love to own it. Would back up the truck. I'd you know sell. You know, mortgage the house, sell the farm, <laughs> chop off my left arm, and back up the truck. If this thing is at ten bucks, I mean, forget about it. But but yeah, it's ju- it's yeah. just not there yet. And I look, I, I said that I said that when it was at uh, thirty-four dollars or something. Now right, it's right. almost forty. So yeah, yeah. this is what I was just to come full circle. This is the hard part, right? Because you, you sort of you make these decisions, and then you you just have the market rub your nose in it for months yeah. and months and sometimes years at a time. But I think it's. I think it's generally the, the right way to go. That that to me is actually one of the core skills of an investor is is to continue to act independently when all else around you is is acting in a very yeah. different way. Yeah. It's extraordinarily yeah. hard to do. Anyway, don't yeah. know the point of my rant. Was that except to sort of say that yeah, I agree with you, and it, and you've got to yeah. look at it on a case by case basis. And frankly, that's yeah. one of there's very various other reasons. That's why I like the companies that I do that have that. Mm. I I I've, mm. I've really evolved towards more of a growth mindset. Growth growth yeah. at reasonable price perhaps best described, but because yes. because you you get you get that part right. If you if you're anywhere near the kind of growth that you're thinking, so much else just becomes very a uh, secondary tertiary kind of considerations. Whereas with Woolies yeah. and and the the banks and all that you're going know, to it's particularly at these lofty valuations, you have yes. to have some pretty confident Your your valuation has to be very spot on
1: (laughs) when you're dealing with a company
0: that's only growing at that kind of rate because if you get it slightly slightly wrong, I mean, it just completely undermines the the, the return
1: proposition. And And that's the point I want to make and that's what I mean about those two parts of my brain arguing, right? Because at some point if the market decides that a fair value PE for Woolies is three, four, five, six points lower... It's not growing fast enough to make that up. You're probably sitting on a couple of years of no gains at all. Mm. Maybe a couple of years after that, of moderate gains. Again, the markets never completely efficient. But in theory, and so people are listening to this. If they own some of those companies, they need to know that rising rates is net net a headwind for their returns in some of those companies. I mean, it's it's net net a headwind for everyone, mm. almost by definition. But when your investment thesis relies, as you say, on you know, 95% of the returns going to come from per share profit growth. If you if you own a small business or even a medium sized business that's growing pretty quickly then that's in your favour. If you're relying on, you know, PE P- being steady or expanding and a little bit of earnings growth, well, is going to grow earnings at, what, 5 6% a year probably from here, mm. if they're lucky. Um, you're relying on the PE being pretty stable. If the PE was to fall by 2 percentage points from or 3 percentage points from 30, I'm going to make my life easier here, mate, from 30 to 27, mm. that takes 10% of the share price away. If your per share earnings are at 5% a year, well, you don't have to do the maths too much to say, well, you know, that's that's two years effectively of, of profit growth. Yep. That is going to be washed away by a decline in only three percent, three points mm. from twenty thirty to twenty seven. We all say, well, that's about the same price, kind of is, but it's you know it's ten percent less, right? And you got to get ten percent profit growth just to equalise that PE. So, mm. um, the, you know, the the slower your business is growing, the more the market is looking at it as a, you know, a fairly valued asset based on reasonably predictable future earnings. Mm. Rates are more and more important, I guess. That that's the bit I'm talking about. And I think, frankly, made for you and I as as stock pickers, and hopefully for our listeners, if you can. Yeah, we've said this before as well, but if you, can, <laughs> if that's true, right, if that is true and the vast bulk of the market is relatively fairly valued and or relatively hostage to changes in interest rates, then you're going to outperform the market by decent amounts if just just by that being true, right? Like it's, mm. not, it's not that simple, but it's not that much more difficult either. If you have BHP, Woolies, News Corp, Telstra, Coles, West Farmers, CSL, Cochlear, pick a couple others, that contract because rates go up, and the market, the, the market in air quotes, is stagnant or goes up slowly, and you can find a business that is just going to keep growing anyway. Your chance of outperforming, I actually reckon, are even better. Now, you know, you don't get extra points for outperforming; you only get points for the cash in your portfolio. But realistically, if you're if you're trying to find a way to outperform the market, it's, there's worse ways to go than look at those businesses that are going to be held hostage to rates and say, "So if I just own other stuff instead," realistically speaking, relatively speaking. While the market might do X, Y, or Z, I can probably beat that, maybe by even a, a few percentage points. Mm.
0: Well, that's the hope. Motley full Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's,
1: um, let's go to the other piece of macro news, mate, because, wow. Um, I, I don't think you'll have a view on this, mate. I, I, there's a thing called property. I know you've never thought about property before. <laughs> Your comments suggest that you're not very well informed on property. You don't really know much about it. I haven't <laughs> thought about it much. So, uh, let, let, let let me try and lead you on a path. See so if you can create some thoughts for the first time about property, about, mm-hmm. about house I'll prices. Try. I thought this was an interesting move. So, APRA this week, the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority, uh, the, the the regulator of banks, decided to say to banks, "Hey, what you guys had to do in the past was say take today's interest rates, but then qualify your borrowers, assuming rates were two and a half percentage points higher." Hmm. So, in other words, rather than saying uh, if rates are two percent right now, rather than the bank saying, "Well, gee, Scott, if rates are two percent, you can borrow a million dollars," banks are currently forced to say, "Okay, rates are two percent." So, based if rates were four and a half percent, that's two and a half percentage points higher, you can now borrow seven hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And banks are required by the regulator to use that higher number to basically build in some buffer. It's like they actually call it a buffer rate. They build in some buffer to make sure that banks are being prudent when it comes to how much I can borrow based on a whole lot of things that might happen down the track, largely just including rates going higher, obviously. Mm. This week, they announced they're going to increase that buffer rate from 25 to 3%. Mm. So rather than me qualifying for a 2% loan based on my ability to repay at 45 I now have to get that 2% loan based on my ability to repay at 5 Now, for those who aren't necessarily mathematically minded or haven't thought this through, the maths of that basically says, given the same level of income, you can now borrow less because your average repayment, uh, the maximum you can afford to repay now, will only pay for a cheaper, uh, for a, for a lower loan. So in other words, if you could,
0: uh, I mean, I don't know that I'm just off my head, but let me let me make. It's some about five percent from what I've read. So the right, right. going from yeah, two and a half to three percent buffer on average. Everything else is yes. steady for the average borrower. Probably means they right. can now borrow about five percent less. Because you can afford to pay back the same amount
1: per week. But if you've got to pay a higher interest rate to do that, you can only afford to pay back a lower loan, yep. right? That's that's the that's the theory. So, APRA, this is a funny one, mate. It, it's 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 smart, but also intriguing because the buffer rate was never supposed to be to control house price growth, right? Mm. It was also it was always supposed to be about making sure the system was stable by making sure the borrowers could absorb a higher rate. Mm. And APRA making this relatively arbitrary move, by the way, not too many months and years after they'd switched from an arbitrary percentage point to a, to a a rate plus. They used to, I think it was, was it five and a half or six? I think you used to have to qualify for. Yeah. Um, and then they mm. said, no, it's not that anymore. It's now whatever the rate is, plus two and a half percent. So that mm. was, and by the way, that actually pushed house prices up because that actually brought the number down for, for a lot of people. But now they're pushing this back up. It's supposed to be protect borrowers. Hard not to see this, though, mate. Given the RBA themselves have said, hey, rates are low for three years, hard not to see this as a, a quasi, I think, I don't know if they've said as much, but we all know it is effectively just a, a mechanism to control house price growth. Mm. Oh, yeah. which is not really what it's for, what it's not really designed for. I have no problem with them using it that way, but it's one of those things where they're like, we think house price... Well, I'm, I'm going to put words in their mouth. We think house price growth is getting too hot. They think absolutely the think getting house scary. Price growth is too hot. <laughs> we need yeah. to find a way to fix this. Mm. Let's pretend, or let's use this one tool designed for something else, but that we can bring to bear on this particular problem. Right? It was never supposed to be, let's use the buffer. Let, let's institute a buffer to control house price growth. It mm. was, let's have a buffer to protect borrowers now it's very much, I think, almost entirely that, that increase. I don't see another way to read it than, yeah. said, if, if, look, we're expecting rates to go up one percentage point in the next twelve months. I can imagine Apra stepping in ahead and saying, "Hey, this is going to go really quickly. Let's just let's just you know put a put put a backstop in place and, and start the buffer now." Mm. But they're not doing that. They're just literally saying, "Hey, rates are going to stay there forever. Let's anyway." put the buffer rate up pretty much just to, to stop
0: that growth in house prices. Yep. And and good 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 on them for doing it. I mean the, the trouble is the the RBAs, we've talked about it before the mandate isn't house yep. prices, right? Yes. And we've also talked about the bluntness of the instrument that they've <laughs> yes, interest rates. So so we do need macro kind yep. of potential. This, this, is, this is like the the biggest non-secret in the world that you know house prices are a bit silly. Matt Common of the Commonwealth Bank has yeah. basically said, actually, the buffer that we're using is well higher than that, and we increased it recently anyway. And he's, he has made urgings yep. to APRA and mm-hmm. others saying, hey, you guys have to step in here. And he has to say that because mm-hmm. you'd think, well, just do it, buddy. If you're that worried about it, just tighten your standards. But it's this it is sort of game right. game theory dynamic that if you yeah. don't yep. do it and all your competitors yeah, do, you're going right. to lose massive right. amounts of market share and stuff. So that's, that's why you get into these moral hazards of banks starting <laughs> to collectively do silly things because you yeah. just you don't want to miss out while the, while the music's playing. So, so yeah, so yeah I, I think it's a, I think it's a very sensible uh, thing to do. Um, it's also they've started to peg sort of uh, debt levels to to income more so yeah. than property values. Yeah. The, the trouble of doing it debt to debt to property values is well, if property values keep going up at insane amounts. The debt never looks that big, so they've started mm. benchmarking it to to incomes. Mm. Again, more for the consumers' protection. Um, and I think it's a very, very prudent thing because it's, it's, there's, there was something in the AFR the other day. I mean, I forget the exact numbers, but the proportion mm. of people taking out debts that are mm. uh, LVRs, greater than 90% of the value of the house, has <laughs> gotten to really high levels. And so there's just, right. there's huge amounts of leverage in the system. And, and that's, been okay so far. Um, mm. Maybe it will continue to be okay. But one thing you can say is objectively true is it, 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 it increases mm. the risk within the system because it just magnifies anything. And, um, yeah. So tell me then though, it, so let,
1: let's say this is all true and I, I don't disagree with any of that. Two questions I've got, which I'm just being devil's advocate for fun here. First is, from, as a financial regulator... Why should APRA care about house prices going up? We think this is probably, I, I, I would argue, it's much more a social problem than a financial one. So there's that, as, as the banking regulator, is that is that the right thing for it to do? Second thing is, to your point, if it's leverage they're worried about, why not just increase the, or decrease the LVRs? Why not just blanket ban and say to the banks, you can't lend more than 90% uh, and for most people you should, you know, have less than eighty percent, or whatever the numbers are, yeah, they yeah. could use that tool right, rather than the buffer rate. I, and again, I'm not asking you to be a regulator and a serving comment on. on <laughs> we're not neither of us are experts on banking regulation, but uh, you know, given those two thoughts, I I actually would have I have no problem with them doing it. By the way, I think it is good socially anyway. But as a financial regulator, I'm not entirely sure there are the sorts of financial risks. That otherwise are, are considered evident.
0: I, I don't know. I think I think very self interestedly for their <laughs> members they should, they should be worried about the financial health mm-hmm, uh, of the property market just because of the importance to the major banks and our overall economy. I, I think you know it's <laughs> if there's any problems in this sort of space the banks are going to feel it more than anyone else, right? So that they they do need for, for the broader financial stability. I think there's good arguments. Uh, to, to do it, and in terms of your other point, that, so they did mm. introduce uh, more stringent macroprudential controls in mm. 2017. In fact, Correct. house prices only no, recently useful. passed that pre only yeah. uh, nationally only recently. So we've, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the headlines about how property's mm. done so well in recent times, but it's kind of like, mm. and it has, mm. and it's net back at record highs. But it wasn't that long ago. It, it just we got back above where we were in 2017. And the mm. fall there was in large part, to my mind, precipitated by, by tighter controls, which Freidenberg then unwound. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And maybe, arguably, that's, that sort of helped pre- sort of reinvigorate the, the housing market. So it's, they're, they're dealing, I mean, the, the, here's, he, the, here's the most obvious statement in the world. Everyone knows that housing affordability <laughs> is a problem. But the only way to really fix housing affordability is for prices to come down, right? Like that's <laughs> what we're talking about with affordability. If something is too yeah. unaffordable, then it needs to be less expensive, right? Like it's 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 logical. Uh,
1: well, I thought you increase wages, but neither is happening, right? Well, you, <laughs> you, right are, you either yeah. increase you either increase people's ability to pay, or you reduce the price. Yes, right, exactly.
0: Right, but again, the, the biggest non-secret in the world is that anyone who tries to do anything about that is going to yeah. just potentially crater the economy. Like Labor tried to introduce uh, tighter restrictions around negative gearing and all of that mm, kind of stuff. Mm. <laughs> look how that, look how that worked out. It was maybe a sensible thing to do in in some ways. I know it's a whole yeah. other different topic, and, and maybe they didn't go about it the right <laughs> way. But but um, you know, it's it's sort of. It's a problem that's much easier kicked down the road. And, and in addressing the affordability mm-hmm. problem, the answer has been to provide more stimulus and mm-hmm. more incentive and and, and and fix it that way. First time buying. Allowing people to yeah, access yeah. their super, yep. Yep. R- <laughs> relaxing <laughs> lending standard. Anything you know, but to increase prices. You know, yeah. and it's sort of like, which which yeah. kind of just sort of adds a bit yeah. of fuel to the fire. Yep. So, yep. you know, again, I know I always get painted as this big property bear, and I am. <laughs> I am. You are. I'm, totally you a, are. I'm totally a property bear. You painted
1: band. yourself in, in big red and, red and white letters, exactly. I
0: I mean, again, it comes. By, I think it's a wonderful <laughs> asset, and again, there's much, there's differences within the broader market, mm, but there is some mm. scenarios you look out there. If, if these were businesses and not properties, <laughs> and we were yeah. talking about PE ratio and all, you know, yes. and earnings yes. growth and all the things that we talk about with share, I mean, none of these investments would make any kind of sense whatsoever, um, except
1: that. So, I'm going to actually take. I'm going to take exception with that, and just just for the fun of it, but I also also believe it to about eighty three percent commitment conviction here. I don't think housing is anywhere near as unaffordable as everyone else says it is. Okay. Because those who say it's unaffordable say either debt to income, right, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But we all know that the cost of borrowing is not the debt to the income. It's the repayments to the income, right? Yep. It's it's your ability. It's like the... When we talk about leverage at company levels. We talk about, you know, their the, the ability to the interest cover, right? Interest cover is how many times does my profit pay my, my interest bill? Yep. And that so so from a housing perspective, you know, we know that the, the houses households aren't putting much more of their income into housing repayments today than they were 30 years ago. In fact, in some measures, housing has never been more affordable. The exception is deposits, which I'll happily chat about, but but for now let's just stick with stick with repayments in terms of affordability. So we also know to your point about shares, that that's kind of the peer conversation we had before, right? If rates are cheaper, mm. then PEs will go up because that's the point, right? Inflation plus something or the risk-free rate plus something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It makes sense if you're getting a 5% yield on a house when the interest rates are 4% or you're getting a 2% yield when rates are zero, mm-hmm. you're actually getting a better yield in real terms mm-hmm. at, at a, at a, at, you know, with a lower nominal number. So just, just for those who are doing the maths, if you can earn a 5% rate in 4% interest rate world, the 5% yields are in a 4% interest rate world, you're making a 1% margin on that, right? Mm-hmm. Five minus four. Mm-hmm. If you can make 2% yield and you're paying nothing, then you're getting a two percent gain. Now those numbers aren't real in either sense, but might, might just to, to illustrate the point, so the, it's the it's the amount above the the interest you're paying or under, depending on which whether you're getting a good yield or not, which matters. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to borrow at two percent and pay the same repayment as if you are paying for half the house, or you know the house was half as expensive, but the rates were twice the the yep. rate, yep, 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 then they're no they're no less affordable. I honestly yep. don't think. It's now totally I don't. Right. Social mm. policy, different questions. I, mm. I have a whole different view, and that. that's why I'm 83% convicted rather than 100%. But I'm, I, I honestly don't buy. I just, I just, think it's, I think, I think the people who say it's too affordable. Who want prices to go down because that's the way they're wired, or the, the sticker price, like yeah, the sticker shock, right? How many dollars for that? Are you serious? Mm. End of the day, the asset. If it's a financial asset, I think that's the problem. I don't think housing should necessarily be a financial asset. Socially, well, that's, I that's think shelter. That's, and a whole it's, of other
0: with, things. The, the whole thing's been
1: financialized, which is right, exactly. Problem. Which is, mm. I think, exactly, but. I just don't. Think, I don't think it's unaffordable. And I no, think you're right. But,
0: you, but, but that's, that's again, my the starting point. Yeah, but that that that's a great <laughs> starting point, and it's it, and it's it's perfectly logical. But exa- we just had this conversation with stocks. What if? What if? Yeah. Now you're talking about. So, but why? Got, why is there only a what if in one direction, right?
1: So let's just say house price too expensive. Don't say I'm only wrong if rates go up. Yeah. Because if rates stay if rates stay low, then the what if crowd are completely wrong. But they mm. don't. No, no one ever says. No one's ever on the fence on this, right? Like housing is too expensive if this happens, but it's cheap if that happens. You don't hear that well. I try and do that as much as I possibly can. I don't always get it right.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But, But the- the you know generally you hear the, the the bears and the bulls basically take one side of that view only and say well how's too expensive because of course rates are going go up when they do this is going to go terribly
0: mm-hmm.
1: so, so okay yeah, but what if they don't you know
0: yeah but yeah and and again how, how do you know but but this right. is this is the scenario you, you're getting yourself into a, a very fragile scenario where you're yep. totally right if everything stays the same if yes. it doesn't. Now let's look yes. at an average mortgage term. Is what 25, 30 years <laughs> yeah, or something? Years now, so here yeah. we are saying, oh, rates might go well, up. Average, by new,
1: average new mortgage term, of course. Yeah, There's yeah. others, but yeah. Yeah,
0: sure, sure. Right, might, yeah. might go up in in, in yeah. a few years' time. Well, what's going to happen over the course of thirty? That mm. that's that is the problem. Is that you you're mm. you're, you're you're right if and you're and, and you're wrong if not and and, and you're very wrong if not yeah, type yeah. type thing and so it just sort yes. of and, and we we you come back let's look at it as a pure financial asset and let's yeah. assume cuz this never happens but let's assume that you're just <laughs> buying this house with cash you don't have to borrow yeah. any Money right, yeah. which no normal person is going is going to be able to do. <laughs> nice that, that's a first-class problem,
1: by the right? way. If that's you, I have no sympathy for you whatsoever. Well, let's say you've got you a million big ones Let's, in the let's bank. say you are. You Go got a,
0: you've got a lazy three million dollars, so you can buy a rundown one bedroom, you know, studio apartment <laughs> apartment in Stanmore and and you do right. So you've got no interest costs or anything like that. You're probably yep. still only getting a two percent gross yield there. Forget yes, the strata yes. or b- b- uh, uh, council yeah. rates or maintenance <laughs> or anything like that. If you are paying a mortgage, like yeah virtually every single investor out there, you're also paying an interest. And we know that some Mm. insane percentage of people are negatively geared on their investment property. So from a financial point of view, I don't even make any money on a year-to-year basis. I make money on the presumption that prices will continue to accelerate at this rate. And and by the way, Mm. I will. I will under that scenario. I'll I'll, I'll lose money, save a bit of tax, and then Mm. cash in at some point when I sell. And it's been a remarkably, (laughs) remarkably potent strategy with high leverage because leverage is a wonderful thing in a rising market. But my yeah. argument is, is not that it's definitely late rates are definitely going up and they're going to go up in six months, and, ergo, the, ship, the property market's going to crash mm. in, you know, mm. a, a, at that yeah. time. It's more a case of, okay, I don't really know, but I do know that if everything stays normal, I'm getting a really crappy return, yeah. right? And I'm taking a huge yeah. amount of risk to do it. And yeah. if, 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 or maybe, maybe there's the other tail case where, where things actually continue to accelerate very strongly. I right. mean, I'd, I'd say there's mathematical sort of real world limits that probably stop that at, at a point because um, rents aren't going up right so so there's yeah. there's no increase in cash flow um, but but yeah anyway all, all, all of that aside if it if if there is the the we talk about the sensitivity of the share market. I think the sensitivity yeah. of the property market will be even more severe, given the leverage of the system. Oh, should be absolutely. Um, and I just, for me, that makes it a very asymmetric proposition. So, yes. am I a property bear because I feel so? It's there's a crash imminent. No, I'm not. I'm not that silly. Mm, am I a no. property bear because I just think it's a very poor proposition at this point in time on aggregate, yeah. and certainly more in certain sectors than other? Then yeah, I do. And I'm just, yeah. I'm not prepared to 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 risk a lot to gain a little. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make logical sense to me. I, I agree
1: with that I agree with that too, and, that, and that's why I, you know I my issue is not I think I think property is a great investment. My issue is not I think everyone should go and buy, buy investment properties to leverage up. Um, my argument is just with those who say it's unaffordable. I think I think I think that's the I think that's the wrong lens being used because the risk of it being as unaffordable if you're paying the same dollar value for half the house at twice the rate five years ago seven years ago whatever the numbers were mm. and rates went up from that point. You still have the same issue, right? If yep. you're paying, I don't know, pick uh, two grand a month. I don't know what the average repayment is. Two grand a month. Now, you can buy a million dollar house. Seven years ago, 10 years ago, it might have been a half million dollar house. Mm. But if rates go up by a percentage point in both cases, mm. you're still going to have to find the extra cash. It's no more or less affordable because of the stick price. It's more or less affordable because of the way rates go. And I think to your point- that is absolutely at any point in the cycle, rates can go up, right? From from whatever level to whatever level. And over a so thirty-year period, they're going
0: to go up, right? I'll, I'll make that. I'll make that prediction. I, I'd be very surprised if in thirty years' time interest rates haven't moved. It's <laughs> yes. possible. Maybe they've gone down. <laughs> there's a, there's I, a I little tiny sliver of, of room to move down. Maybe they go negative. I
1: won't continue this. I, I think I think you're right. I actually I actually think the further away it is though, the, the better the chance the average borrower who starts a thirty-year mortgage stays on meaningfully more money. As, as a proportion of their, of their income. It's the first couple of years of any new loan you want to be careful of, yeah. which by the way, take this full circle, is what's great about upper increasing the buffer because it yes. means that people taking out new 30-year loans today are going to be the ones who are saved from themselves and all our potential property crash if it comes mm. by effectively being, yeah, it's a bit nanny statish if you want to take that view, but I think it's really responsible from the regulators to say, hey- I'm taking a new 30-year loan now, to exactly your point, man, this is what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking the opposite view to you entirely. I think the affordability question is is arguably misargued by many people in the market. But I think generally speaking, the idea of, hey, are you sure you're okay if rates go up? Yeah. I think that, that makes perfect sense. I was a critic of APRA actually changing that rule up front when they dropped it from an arbitrary, I think it was six or five and a half or something. Mm. They dropped it an arbitrary current, uh, sorry, to a, to a relative current rate plus something. Mm. I always thought that was the wrong approach. It did, as you say, Underpin a holiday house price growth. I, I, I would bring back LVR caps for for what it's worth. Um, I think that's a, as useful. Um, my my issue is as always for for first home buyers. I mentioned deposits earlier. I'm not going to go into that in detail now, but basically deposits are the biggest hurdle for anybody, regardless.
0: Well, of I I did I did, did want to come come back to that oh, yeah. because we we can't brush that aside. If you again, average house is what a million dollars in in um, Sydney, Sydney, yep. Melbourne. Yep. Um, yeah, so you, even if if you want to be leveraged uh, ten to one, you know ninety percent uh, leverage, you still have to sa- save a hundred thousand yeah. dollars for yeah. a deposit. So, that, well, so plus we know, stamp
1: duty plus plus legal, so it's you know it's uh, what one hundred and uh, ten hundred twenty grand. You
0: probably got a pocket. And and, and, and then even after that, you're yeah. getting. And by the way, I'll tell you, uh, someone who lives in Sydney, you're not getting a hell of a lot for a million dollars, right? Uh, exactly. You probably want to well, do three some, million
1: dollars is buying your rundown studio in Stanmore, man. Oh, honestly, bucks exactly. Be, you know? know,
0: so it's 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 kind of it. <laughs> It is, it is. I I think the only way it sort of works, or people mm. make it work, is is the younger generation borrows off mum and dad who have got squillions in equity mm. because of this mm. this massive structural increase in the valuation of the market. Right. Um, but but it, but what's what's fascinating to me when I um, mentioning before this sort of idea of, mm. of financial gravity is that under. There's, there's the amount that, that you can mm. borrow and that's hugely influential there's sentiment that's hugely influential but underpinning all, all things economic and financial there they're sort of real world things and and yeah. ultimately at the base of this is the cash flow that this property can produce or at least in theory could yeah. produce if you decided to rent it and that's just that so again if we were looking at this as a company we'd be talking about its earnings and its and its potential earnings growth <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. no property in the world is ever going to be an afterpay no property in the world is going to be a tenth of an afterpay. You know, the best property that you could probably find right now might be able to grow its its increase its rent at five percent each year for the next ten years, mm. maybe. Mm. <laughs> right? And and so again, when you and and when you look at it in that lens, and that's what yeah. underpins everything. You've got to wonder, well, I can't rely on this, you know, uh, mm. parabolic earnings growth to sort of save yeah. me from valuations. <laughs> so so everything is yeah. hyper dependent yeah. on these valuations yeah, at a point right. in the cycle where we're at super low. Levels at the point in the cycle where right. leverage is, is, is massively high. I, don't know, I was mm. talking about this five years ago, and you know, look, look, mm. look, what's happened? Well, actually, I would argue that it's kind of went down, and down. <laughs> it's still been a pretty ordinary <laughs> return over five years. But that's kind of the point. It's like things things haven't collapsed over the last five years, and you've gone yeah. again. People buying in twenty sixteen um, yeah. haven't really done that well on average. At least on, I would, I would for argue very strongly on, for for a lot of people with with high levels of debt, mm. um, maybe even even a negative return. So it's yeah. So be careful. I'll, I'll shut off. <laughs> 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 and another thing. No, I'm uh, kidding, mate. Just, it be, was a just be careful. I mean, uh, imagine if you and I were having a conversation here, and you're at your house, and I'm on my yacht because mm. I just spent <laughs> I just spent the last. <laughs> Well, you know, in COVID of last year, I just took out a massive margin loan and bought a bunch of options, futures contracts, and just leveraged myself up to the eyeball. Maybe I chucked it all in Ethereum and Bitcoin, you know, like hundred (laughs) percent. Now I'm sitting here with squillions of dollars. But can I? Can I have been said? To have done something uh, sensible, yeah, um, yeah. you know. did, did a win thing, right? Did I do the smart thing, or did I, yeah. or did I get extraordinarily lucky? Yeah, and yeah. and it's important to sort of be honest with yourself. In, in you know, I've, I've, I have been fortuitous in times where I've been just mm. got dumb luck has, has helped me out. <laughs> but it's it's not a strategy you want to rely on, and
1: it's not something you exactly. Yeah, that, I think that's a lovely way to put it. Mate Tom, let's let's be let's honest leave that.
0: Shouldn't have opened let's that, leave that that Pandora's box. <clears throat>
1: that's fun. It was fun. Mate, some, we'll stick with the market a little bit. um, And and I, I'm interested in your view on this because your sorts of stocks have been the ones that have been hit harder over the last few weeks. And that is volatility is back in a big way. We've talked about Evergrande before. We're not going to do that in detail today. Um, suffice it to say, that feels to me like trying to divine... The reasons for market movements can be difficult. We can kind of try and grab the. It must be because of this, and sometimes it's reasonably clear, right? If there's a, mm. a big announcement, the market falls. It's pretty easy to say, well, okay, you know, the US just put d- doubled in, you know, income tax on businesses. Shares went down three percent. I think we can reasonably assume that's true. Now, mm. that's a, a false one, by the way. Don't freak out if you're in US shares. Um, but you know, it, there, there are sometimes when you can. In this case, it looks like so a really, really strong correlation or causation that the concerns about Evergrande, the Chinese property developer, a second one apparently now also in the gun. Um, uh, the Chinese kind of growth story potentially unravelling or slowing seems to have freaked out a whole lot of people. The Australian market, Mm -hmm. I think I want to say earlier, late last week, early this week, moved 1% or more uh, flip-flopped four days in a row. So up, down, up, down, or down, up, down, up. I can't remember which. But either way, kind of, you know, this is one of these things that happens with the market. Like, I don't know what to think right now. And so people out there trading, not you and I, people out there trading are like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I better sell just in case. And then everyone starts buying the next day. Well, I better buy back in then just in case. Mm-hmm. And so it really, it's it's the, it's the classic, you know, running from one side of the ferry to the other side as it lists backwards and forwards, everyone runs to one side, then runs back to the other side, runs back to the other side. Um, it's kind of the, the picture in my head. Mm-hmm. I... I don't – well, firstly, I suppose, you know, it also seems to be that when this sort of thing happens, it's the – air quotes, growth stocks that pay the price, mm-hmm. um, the kind of, you know, the, the, the safety, the even Bitcoin's up. I, I own Bitcoin. I am 100 bucks worth, as I said before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even even that's up. And I think that's, you know, it, interestingly enough, probably as a, as a tangent for this, that seems to be seen as something of a safe haven-ish kind yeah. of asset with a couple of words from Elon, which helped us well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mate, just your thoughts on, on the volatility of the last little while, growth stocks, um, tech, tech, Evergrande, just just how you're kind of seeing the market and and the investing
0: landscape yeah so you've got to understand with with growth stocks um so what let's let's put some definitions out here these are companies whose traditional valuations don't really make a lot of sense in many cases they may be pre-profit type thing Mm -hmm. but they are they are Mm -hmm. growing or at least have potential to grow very very significantly Mm -hmm. and for that reason that's why they're kind of they're hard to value um and and the ones that work out really well always look Crazily expensive, <laughs> um, but they always they always they they move around a hell of a lot more. So there's yeah. a concept called beta. Without going down the rabbit hole, which just sort of says how it's a it's a, it's a measure of volatility versus the average of the market, and the beta for these stocks is, is massive, right? So yeah. so. Yeah, if you're that kind of investor, when markets get into wobbles, you suffer much more. So during during last year, mm. the straw man index, for example, which tends to be dominated by these kind of stocks, massively underperformed the market right, <laughs> during okay. that stretch. Yeah, you know, it was no yeah, no yeah. surprise whatsoever. Yeah, Over yeah, the okay. last week, we've underperformed the market. You know, not that yeah, that means anything. Yeah. Yes, but but yeah. by the same token, when when things are going well, they they massively outperform, and markets mm. tend to go mm. up more mm. than they go down. So there's there's that there's that kind of thing. So I think it's it's the pri- yeah. It's one of the, the the cost of admissions that you pay. With growth investing, and if, if it's the kind of thing that you're going to freak out if it drops twenty percent, it's it's not for you, is what I would say. Let's let's One go those, back to let's yeah. go back to the classic example of the last decade and look at Afterpay. I mean, the number of twenty right, right, right. to thirty percent drawdowns that thing had yes. on its way up yes. was insane, yes. you know. And every time you panicked was the wrong time to panic. <laughs> um, so,
1: well, why why's worth I think, mate, to some degree too, is that. You know, this is it, humans. We're, we're stupidly weird characters, right? Creatures as, as humans. When shares go up fifty percent for no good reason, we're like oh, how good's that? Yeah. We're, a few, we're like, oh my god, I need to sell now. <laughs> something yeah, every, really... people must
0: know something that I don't. Yeah.
1: Right, exactly. And so this just and that's why it's worth talking about because look, I think you and I would probably both say, generally speaking, it's more to do with just the volatility of the ticket to the dance, as you said, the price of admission. Um, the, the, just the very idea that this this just happens but it's such human instinct to kind of go, how much more pain do I want? How badly can this be? Maybe I'm wrong. We don't share the same views on the way up, you know? Oh my God, percent. they must know something I don't know. Mm-hmm. What don't I know? Maybe it's time to sell, I must be wrong. You know, cause I didn't expect it. We don't ask ourselves those questions, right? We ask, <laughs> we ask ourselves those questions when they're down. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the work I think for, for us as, uh, investment advisors as, as a business that, that provides access and, and a platform for these people as strawman.com does um, the the conversations around hey just remember this is normal mm. this happens it happens more for growth stocks it happens more for those companies that the market loves when it's in love with them and hates when it's out of love with them mm. Kogan's been on his drink um, mm-hmm. at, you know almost a 12 month just depressing mm. fall right it was we're coming up to the, the the anniversary of a $27 share price, now at $10. Mm. Um, now, maybe I'm wrong. And, and so, you know, there is very real possibility that I'm dead, just dead wrong. Otherwise, it's a stock the market hates for reasons of its own. And that is that is normal, right? That thing, That is business as usual. So, if you're new to investing or you're new to falls, if you've been around for, you know, seven, seven, 18 eight months and you're kind of, you, you bought in March, August, May last year, and you're like, this thing is easy, you're all of a sudden striking maybe the, for the first time the, Actually, this isn't as easy as I thought. Maybe, maybe this is maybe this is hard. Mm. Um, maybe she has a fall and she's, "What have I done wrong? What's going on? What's the market telling me?" These things are more common than you'd believe. Um, we certainly know that the, the full, I'm sure you do. It strawman uh, much, much more uncertainty, much more fear and confusion and concern when things drop, and for reasonable reasons, no one likes losing money. Sure, um, but it's just a reminder: this is this is this is actually normal. This is not unusual, unfortunately.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's totally normal, and, and there's <clears throat> there's the source of, of your edge. You know, it, mm. it, it, a couple of uh, uh, quotes from I think Buffett. You know, you don't don't watch the scoreboard; watch the playing field. That, that's that's yeah, nice. that's where your your advantage is. That a is. Buffett. Is it? I do,
1: uh, I'm going to assume not Max. I've never heard that one. I, I I tend to I tend to
0: overdose on Buffett's. Uh, so I like, I've paraphrased. You he, might be wrong, he says no, it much right. more pithily and, and nicely, <laughs> but he's just basically you know he's comparing with a b- baseball analogy. No, you a, know. Right. Just yeah, don't, yeah, don't stare yeah. at the scoreboard. It's the mar- and the other thing he says the market is yeah. there to serve, not to inform. Yes, and the the I've because I've got mates. God help them, and they're lost causes because we've been friends for years, and I always talk about this stuff. Is that why you know, I just get no, these fine. WhatsApp messages? Oh, oh bloody blast, three like percent today. I'm like, oh, oh, this is down. What? What's changed? This is this is. Call me when something interesting yeah, yeah. happens. This is this yeah, is totally right. normal. And it's easy to be more to to, to to laugh it off when it when they are sort of those day to day moves. Yeah. But yeah. even if it's something, it is like you say with Kogan down a bunch, whatever yeah. it is. Just, yeah. Yeah. Is 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 that telling you something yeah, it Absolutely, is. it's telling you the market yeah. values are a lot less than it did did yes. last year. Was it yes. right last year or is it right now? I mean, that's that's the question you have to. Or oh, neither or both, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: that's right. All um, those all those possibilities are true in different circumstances.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So so you know just just. It, it, <laughs> Treat it like a supermarket. Go to the market yeah. when you want to when you actually want to buy something. <laughs> otherwise, yeah. just don't. You don't need to go there.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't throw out the strawberries you bought at five bucks because they're now a dollar a punnet, right? Yeah. You go, oh, that was ridiculous. Then out there, down eighty percent, I'm going to throw a strawberries away. Yeah. You're going to say, well, gee, I might buy some more because I like strawberries, or you might say, I can't I won't buy any anymore because they're they're crappy strawberries. That's why they're a dollar or a million different things. But um, yeah, take, well, I, the way I like market,
0: to think cool. of it is for my tiny little portfolio, you know, mm. I own point oh 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 one percent of this company <laughs> yep. and no matter what happens to the share price, you know, unless there's a, mm. they raise some capital and there's a dilution, I mean, I I still own the same amount of this business yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and if if the price has changed, for, you know, okay, that's one thing, but but it's mm. more about has, has, has the business and the outlook changed? Like that's, that's what I'm focusing on. That's the field, the playing field you want to watch. And then put that in context of the price, because because without the former, it's it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I just I just it's completely it's just wiggly random lines on a chart that are going to tell you absolutely nothing. Sorry to the technical analysts out there, um, <laughs> and and you, you you're never going to have an edge. I think you you, you need the, 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 here are the two traits, right? You need to be someone who can focus on the actual things that matter, i, I. Mm-hmm. the business, and you need to be someone who can. Be prepared to look stupid for long periods of time (laughs) and not worry about what others and the market thinks. Because if if you're gonna get hung up on that kind of stuff, well you just you know at best you're gonna get the market return.
1: Which is absolutely true, and still hard to do. Oh, massively hard. So don't don't think you know if you're listening to Andrew talking now saying, "Gee, yeah, that's all I have to do." Yes, it is. It's absolutely true, but also give yourself some slack because it is still stupid hard. I've said before I was buying last March and April and hating it. Right, like knowing it was the right thing to do, knowing I should keep buying, so I did. But I'm like oh, man, the, the, what if COVID gets worse? This oh, could, yeah. be, this could no, go to crap. High. The borders could be closed. These could, I own some travel stocks and I'm like, I'm not going to sell them. I bought some more of both Webjet and Corporate Travel. I own both still. Um, and I'm like, uh, you know, I bought Webjet too early as it turns out. Corporate Travel, I bought at a decent price. Um, but in all of those cases, it was just like, oh, my, this, this, you know, holding travel stocks, from Corporate Travel goes from 25 to 5. Mm. And I'm like, this could go broke. If 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 the lockdowns continue and travel gets banned and and these guys can't raise money and th- there is, there is a, a a business case where there were an investment case that says this is worth zero at some future point. And do I really want to keep buying? Do I really want to keep holding this stuff? It's just stupid hard. Even for someone who's done it for many, many, many years, who knows it's the right thing to do, who's doing it because it's the right thing to do. So I did all the right things. I still felt crappy. So i oh, got to yeah. say that was, you know, that, that that is what you should expect. Even if you are doing the right thing you know it, don't expect it to feel good because even, even when you know you're doing the right thing, uh, some people can absolutely... Uh, be absolutely contrarian, love the hell out of it, just, you know, weighed in. Uh, for most
0: of us, the, the rest of us, it's really, really hard, even even when you're doing the right thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, massively hard. It's it's the whole Buffett, again, idea of being simple but not easy. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. The, 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 I think a good analogy I've used recently is, is like health and fitness, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. you not know, rocket science. You can go right down, but, you know, basically eat healthy, do a bunch of exercise, you'll feel a lot yep. better, you'll probably live a lot longer, um, you know, is it, that's a huge payoff. Do 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 I do it? <laughs> I <didn't> do, it. <laughs> do, do most of us, you know, really take that kind of stuff seriously? It's it's we don't because it's hard. It's not because we don't know what we need to do. Um, it's just it's yeah. extraordinarily hard um, because we're human, and that's <laughs> that, that. That yeah, it's not. <laughs> I wish it was easier, but it's not. But if you if you can at least know what the right thing is, you you can at least be aware of your your human failings and try to address mm-hmm. them because it, it is a again. I'll say it. It's a massive edge. People who can do that are the ones who, who are likely to, to do extremely well. Those who can't are destined to to probably have a horrible experience. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
0: For sure. Mate, really quick one before you finish off. I just want to
1: talk on the A2 class action. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to do it in a whole lot of depth, but just to quickly kind of touch on it because it was a question we got during the week and it's, it's worth it. I'm an A2 shareholder for the record, A2 milk shareholder. Um, I don't really have a it's a smallish portion of my portfolio smaller because it fell since I bought it um, I'm eating my own cooking here there's a class action being launched by Slater and Gordon by by some investors who say that the market wasn't kept informed by A2 and just as a we won't probably talk about this in a whole lot of detail partly because it's kind of before the court so we need to be a little bit careful there um, but we can give an investment view still on whether the company's shares are worth buying but we won't comment too much on the court case proper mm. When you see action like this, mate, what do you... And again, without being overly specific, we feel free to have a view on A2 generally, but what do you think when you see a company that you own shares in, you might own shares in, you're not sure whether you should buy, hold or sell? How does the, the announcement of a class actually make you feel as a Do you take any different
0: actions? What do you do? It makes, makes me feel sick to my stomach when the news first breaks. <laughs> uh, back in the day, ages ago now, a retail food group, remember that was going through oh, some stuff, you know, yes. it's just... It, it, it depends on the case, um, obviously, <laughs> right. and, and, and the yep. merit of it. Um, yep. Everyone looks for someone to blame when when things mm. don't work out on the market, mm-hmm. and it's. I, I look. I'm not. You, you'd know better because you're a shareholder. You're, you're closer to this. But as my understanding, mm. what investors are worried about is that the market didn't promptly update them as yes. to the vastly deteriorating situation with their businesses. You yeah. know, COVID hit, and uh, you mm. know the daigo trade went away, and, and all of mm. that kind of stuff. They obviously claim that actually we did. Um, mm. And they, this is – on. the so this, that's the particular case here. I'm probably – and I could easily change my mind on this, but as a, a, a somewhat ill-informed bystander, mm. I mm. feel as though I'm not too worried about it. This was a very fast-moving situation. I don't think management has the visibility that shareholders often think that they do. They're, they're sort of strapped into the seats, you know, <laughs> figuring out as they go along too and, and, and finding out things as they unfold. So – yeah. Um, could have they? But the other thing I think here, which is interesting, is that even if let's let's say they were more prompt in the release of that mm-hmm. news, would it have led mm-hmm. to a different outcome? I.e., they they yeah. had some big downgrades. Everyone sort of seems "Oh, if I knew that, I could have avoided all these losses." Yeah. Well, well, you did know it eventually. Yeah. And look, look what so you still I, hold chairs. Yeah, yeah right. I, it's like that announcement gets made outside of hours. The market opens yeah. at a much lower rate the, the, the day after. So I exactly. I, I don't know happens. in this yep. particular yep. instance. Whether even if they probably were found to to potentially have mm-hmm. been a bit tardy in 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 their releases, yeah. whether it would have led to a materially different outcome anyway, if the if the class action was because of highly you know a dodgy mm-hmm. behaviour, that would be very different. <laughs>
1: That's right, and I think uh, yeah, it's whether whether you're sharing facts or whether you're sharing forecasts, but my issue with my issue with these sort of things is. Even if businesses, we, we've all been through tough and good times, right? Um, to take, you know, even, even shareholders themselves during early COVID, right? Retail shares got absolutely taken to the woodshed, sold off because everything's going to crash. Three weeks later, people realise, oh, maybe online retail works. Retails get bought up again everything's back to normal. If you're a CEO of a company, you're trying to work out what your long-term profitability might look like into the future, three, six, nine, 12 months, based on what's happening right now, like good luck you know for, for all I know things improve massively mm. or deteriorate massively um, I, I, look I, I have no I, I own a small amount of A2 milk I don't even know if I, I you know what so here's the thing I actually really don't care about class actions mm. the reason I don't care is because they're probably going to get settled with insurance maybe the company has to pay a lump some fine it's not going to be material frankly to the investment case moving forward you know and, and if it helps them realise if they have done the wrong thing and not disclosed enough then they'll, they'll learn that, that lesson if they did the right thing and they disclosed properly, then there's no lesson to learn. Either way, it's really, really, really unlikely to impact my long-term results from here.
0: Unless I agree, unless it points to the honesty calibre of of management and board of directors. So again, yeah. if it's, look, cra- look, look, let's talk at Crown. <laughs> Let's yeah. look at what's happened there. Yeah. Do I, I mean, it's a personal view, but I mean, I, I don't <laughs> think they acted appropriately. I don't have a huge yes. amount of trust. Again, I, I'm not trying to get myself into any trouble here. Allegedly, like, correct. Um, Allegedly. Uh, but but that, that, I, think, I think there are the things that have emerged there that do point yeah. to the character of, of something. And that, and that for me does impact the business mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends. It depends.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's, well, yeah, I guess that's, that's probably true. If there, was, if there was some nefarious intent there, um, then that's that's tougher to know. I you know what mate, I guess this is the thing though, right? Like ah, even even if even if it does go to character in Crown's case, allegedly, 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 um, there was something that was actually fundamental to the business success that was wrapped up in that, right? Mm. Um, and it was kind of like it was it was relevant in the sense that even changing management now doesn't make Crown's future any brighter because. They've lost a, a large chunk of their business, which was Chinese junkets, mm. which were allegedly potentially done outside Chinese law. So that's a case where, you know, because here's the thing: if you if you change the well, they have changed almost the entire board and some of the management of Crown. It's usually no better or worse than it was going to be under the old management <laughs> once they were found out, right? Mm. So it's still that question of like, what is what does A2 milk look like going forward? If in the worst case scenario it was horribly nefarious and and deliberate, whatever, whatever. A theory: Those people are going to be found out and got rid of, um, but unless it's something where they said, "Hey, this is likely to continue," or some business they can no longer do, or some profits they can no longer book, even if it was for the wrong reasons, the court case will find them out. They'll be fined, probably you know, forcibly retired. And then the question is still, well, what does the business look like moving forward? So i got to say, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti that view of of yours. I think you're absolutely right in terms of the integrity and whatever of management. But to the extent that's going to change if there's adverse findings anyway, then. The future is probably still only based on what the business can do, rather than the action, the past actions of management. So I, I guess I, that's why I'm kind of inclined to, to put it kind of in the you know, in the well annoying, probably distracting. But does it really? In, in 2028, is A2 two Milk a better or worse business if if they win or lose the class action? No, nah. mm. it's, it's going to come down to a new, you know as we kind of go these full circle, yeah, yeah, where we started. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yes, yeah, where, where we started, which was you know focus on the business. Is the business on, on a on a per share basis going to have more profit in years to come or not? Is that, is that an attractive level of profitability based on the current price? I, I don't know. I think, I, think it's, I, think we can, I think we can turn business issues into soap operas too quickly. Mm. I think that, to my mind, is the one I'd be most mindful of letting these kind of narratives become the, the drama, the, the front page of the AFR, the gossip columns, rather than actually kind of, you know, what does it mean for the business? And if nothing, then, you know, it, it's a distraction and a sideshow for everybody and getting too caught up and it would actually be deleterious rather than the reverse. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm
1: going to take that as agreement.
0: Well, I was—I was thinking. I'm mindful of time, but I'll squeeze it. Squeeze it in. So, on, a lot on. of people know John Hampton from Bronte Capital. So yes, he's a um, famous fund manager. He's—he—he's he's, yes. he, he's got a list of people. He—he so he makes money predominantly shorting. Yes. And he, one of the ways he does, he has a list of people who are dodgy, he <laughs> <You laughs> term it differently, allegedly. But it's, I think it's, I think there's something to that. And even on the mm. positive side, I mean, leopards don't change their spot. If you've had yeah. <clears throat> a CEO with a pretty dodgy sort of history and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a, <clears throat> uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again kind of. I, I'm always, mm-hmm. I just kind of, I ruled those kinds of investments. I just don't want to go near people who have, who have been shown to be self-serving and, and loose, mm-hmm. fast and loose with the truth in the past. I just, yeah. It just, yeah. management is so important. I, even if it's not warranted, if there's any reason to doubt trust, I think for me that's, that's straight out. At the same time, when you've got someone who's been in the top chair for a while, and have been very honest and forthright, and and culpable, and um, uh, demonstrated success. I mean, that 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 to me is something you'll never see on the financial mm. statements, but mm. but is just, I mean, it's just so fundamentally Im- important. So, mm. I, mm. if any class action swings my judgment in one way or the other, that that will have an impact on it because I do I do think yeah. you need to have a lot of trust and faith in it. Well, you have to have a lot of trust in faith management, and. Yeah. Yeah you know you, you don't want to be you don't want to be too harsh for the sake of being too too high and mighty yeah. but but sometimes there are reasons to to be skeptical of people <laughs> There are, there are. I, I'm, probably, I'm, I'm probably trying to, to think of an example without like... naming names and I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't want to do don't that. Don't do that, don't name that. But know. you follow some companies um, long enough, yeah. you, you'll, get a, you'll get a sense of, you know, there's, oh, there's some very hyper-promotional CEOs that there's like, man, you've been saying oh, that totally for years. Why am I'm I going to sure. start? You may be right eventually, but, you know, that's, that's different to the quiet On, on the flip side, by the way,
1: I, I'm not just by nature. I don't own Tesla shares. I've never owned Tesla shares. I'm never likely to own Tesla shares. I think Elon Musk's behaviour has been questionable, allegedly, and yet, the company's made a squillion dollars for shareholders. And frankly, he was one. You know, the, so the irony is, um, while I agree with your point generally speaking, I've cost myself a very large, I'm to say small fortune. The shares dropped that many times in whatever. If I put you know, a couple of grand in, I would've made a fortune, let alone a larger amount. Because um, I thought he was he was a, a, a substantive risk to the company. I didn't think he took co- corporate governance properly. He had they had they fired about three quarters of the workforce every second month from the sound of it. Um, this was a business run yeah. by a, 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 you know, a certifiable genius who seemed to be hell-bent on some version of self-destruction. And maybe it still is, maybe it isn't. Um, but to that point, that, that's I, I, you know, I, I don't know, mate. I'm, we haven't got enough time to talk about it now, but it, uh, that, that's probably the reverse where using those rules, you would have said Tesla is definitely not an investable company. And you look at it and you go, Ah, bugger! And I'm not sure if that's the exception that proves the rule, or the rule that proves the exception. I'm not. I'm not entirely
0: sure. But um oh, you're you know, baiting me here because there's a lot to say. I mean, there's there's, there's a lot of <laughs> things sorry, you can mate. say about Elon, but I think Elon's always going to try and back Elon. And it is, there's, there's there's I think there's, while the, you could sort of question some of the things that he's done, you could mm. very legitimately question a lot of the things he's done. He definitely is 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 trying to make that business work, where there's where for me it's more of the dodginess comes from when you've got a person in a position of power and authority like that, feathering their own nest at the expense of shareholders which is right, the, okay. probably the key difference uh, yeah, but yeah. look, I don't own shares in Intel, uh, Tesla direct, directly uh, either. Very good.
1: We're done, mate. Yeah, we'll have done. to leave it because we are way over time but it was a good conversation. Thank you for indulging me. Fools, I hope you've enjoyed the listen. Uh, I'm not even going to share the socials with you this time because we're that far out of time. I will hold them to next time. Here's a tip though, a quick hint for Sunday. On Sunday, we're going to tell you about a different way you can ask us some questions and get your 15 seconds of fame. Stay tuned for that one. Until Sunday, from Andrew and I, full on. Cheers.
0: The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691. Listener.